0: isn't the name of Jesus all we need? Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? And he's the way, the truth, the life, the only way to God. And isn't the name of Jesus all we need? the way, the truth, of life, the only way to God, is in the name of Jesus all we need? Amen. Go ahead and tell someone about what Jesus has done for you, and have a seat. Wow, thank you. Thank you, guys. That was amazing. That was awesome. I tell you what, as we stand here tonight, the name of Jesus is not just a name. The name of Jesus, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Every knee needs to bow. One day, every single knee in the universe will bow to King Jesus. All these things that are so powerful right now, they all rant and rave, and they puff and they puff, and they're gonna blow your house down, right? Ain't nothing. Jesus goes with his little pinky and goes, and they're gone. The devil, he just says, hey, angels. See, the, the devil is such a goofball. He's a goofball. I can say that. When it comes to the end of the world, Jesus isn't even going to mess with him. He's going to send two angels and he's going to, hey, guys, probably some like third ranking or fourth ranking angels, you know, just way down here. Not any big dog angels, just some little angels down here. Hey, go get that guy. Shut him up, would you? Would you put a chain around him and throw him in a pit? because I can't stand listening to that jerk no more. That's what's going to happen at the end of the age. Jesus has already defeated Satan. He's a defeated foe. He's a big mouth, blowhard, threatens everybody. He ain't got no power. He's a toothless lion. All his teeth got pulled out. Now he's out there roaring, but he ain't got no teeth. He can't really hurt you. All he does is roar, but he ain't got no teeth. You get close to him and he'll he'll do that to you. Try to gum you to death, but that's about it. You slap him. Slap him with a word because the name of Jesus is more powerful than any situation you have in your life. See, at the name of Jesus, you you get a report and it's time to make a decision. When you get a report, it's time to make a decision. You get a report. You look at your bank statement and you go, oh boy, it's time to look at a report. You get, you get a report over here. It's time to go, okay, which report am I going to believe? Does my God supply my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus according to this report? Or am I out of luck? Which is it? Because this says there's like 89 cents in there, right? And this, But God says, I'll supply all your needs. So which is it? Because it can't be both. Which is it? See, I'll tell you which one to bank on, this one, okay? And God has a plan for you. Now, Jeanette said something earlier that that set me off. She said, faith, and the, the definition of faith really is just this. This is a expanded definition of faith. It's being certain that something has happened in the unseen spiritual realm, and you're waiting its arrival or manifestation in the seen natural realm. That's what faith is. Faith is being certain that something has happened in the unseen spiritual realm and you're awaiting its arrival or manifestation in the seen natural realm. Case in point, by Jesus stripes you were healed is a spiritual truth, right? It's a Bible verse, right? 1 Peter 2, 24, Isaiah 53, 5, okay? So that's the truth. The facts are you've got symptoms. But the truth is, by Jesus' stripes, you were healed. Your healing, the price has been paid for your healing in the spiritual realm, and we're awaiting its arrival in the seen natural realm. And when you tap into the spiritual realm and you say, I believe this is more true Than this, the the seen realm, I believe the spiritual realm is more true than the the seen realm, and you stay there and you just decide this is the truth and the facts are the facts, but the truth is the truth, and I'm going to stake my claim on the truth, right? It says that the seen things, they're subject to change, but the unseen things, they are eternal and unchanging. Whoa. That's pretty interesting. The unseen things are eternal and unchanging, but the seen things are subject to change. So if you get a report, and your report is a bad report, and it has to do with anything you can see, you know what you need to do? Subject to change, right? You need to look at it, point at it, and say, subject to change. Because if you can see it, it's subject to change. But you look at the word and the word says something, it's not subject to change, it's established truth. And that's what we renew our mind with. We renew our mind with truth because it's the unchanging things. See, every day, things change so much. Every day, the wind's blowing this way, then the wind's blowing that way. They say it's gonna rain and it's not gonna rain. Everything's, oh, the stock market's up, stock market's down. You never know where it's going. Because why? Because it's always subject to change. So what should you build your life on? Should you build your life on something that's subject to change? Or should you build your life on something that's eternal and unchanging? So we have to build our life on the Word because the Word is eternal and it's unchanging and it's not subject to change. It's solid. It will never change. The Word of God never changes. So last week we started and we talked about spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. All right? That's just, it's just a fact. We're not going to talk about that a whole lot. It's just the truth. You are a spirit. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Your spirit, when you accept Christ, is made right with God. You're perfect. You're made righteous before God in your spirit man. So you are, that's who you are, you are a spirit. God is a spirit, he's the father of all spirits. So our father is a spirit, we are spirits, we're made in his image, okay? Now, children tend to look like their parents in some ways. Now Jake doesn't look that much like me, all right? He, he, he's like a conglomeration of all the greatest things of our whole family, that's what he is okay? That was a compliment, by the way. You can pay me later. Um, but the thing is, children are supposed to look like their parents. They, they tend to look like their parents. And if you see, it's so funny because you'll see a, a family and you'll see the dad and he walks like a duck. Then you'll see the kids, they all walk like ducks, right? Why? Because they learned how to walk from their dad, right? That's just the way it is. So, we as God's children should look like him, right? Because if we hang around our father, we should look like our father. How do we ever figure out what our father looks like? Go back to this thing again, right? Because that's how we figure out what our father looks like is by reading his word because it's his word, right? So you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body, so the remedy for your spirit, the remedy for your spirit is to be born again. You become born again by making Jesus Christ Lord of your life, repenting and saying, "God, I need Jesus as the savior of my soul." That's how you become born again, by confessing Jesus Christ as Lord over your life. That's how you become born again. That's the remedy for your soul, for your spirit, rather. Now your soul, which is your mind, your will and your emotions. Just because you're born again doesn't mean everything is honky-dory in your soul. Many times, somebody will get saved, and their spirit man is right with God, but their soul is a mess. You know what I'm talking about, somebody? Sometimes they've been through a lot, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. It's still, even though you may be born again... But you're still dealing with stuff, just like the Apostle Paul, when he said, the good that I would do, I don't do, and that bad stuff I don't want to do, I keep doing that. He had some stuff he was dealing with, right? But he said, but thanks be to God, because Jesus provided a way out of that predicament, okay? Now, so you've still got soul issues, even if you're born again at times, okay? There's very rare that someone gets born again and presto changeo, everything's perfect, Okay? Usually stuff comes up and you have to deal with it and you're, you're growing and you deal with it and you keep going. So here's what the Bible says in James chapter 1, Let's see if I can get to my notes. It says here, first of all, this, the, the, the Bible verse for spirit, soul, and body is uh, 2 Thessalonians five twenty three. now that may the God of peace sanctify you completely, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the day of the Lord, the day of our, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone is in Christ, he's in new creation. That's, again, that's spiritually. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. And to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, that's 2 Corinthians 5.8. Okay, we talked about some of that. Now, James 1 21. It says, lay aside filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word of God which is able to save sozo, which is able to save your soul, which is your natural mind, will, and emotions. See, the word of God is able to sozo, save there, the Greek word is sozo, which means heal, deliver, preserve make whole all those things is what that word sozo means your mind and your will and your emotions the word of god is able to fix the other parts of you that aren't automatically transformed when you receive jesus christ as lord of your life romans 12:2 says don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind How do you get your mind renewed? You get your mind renewed by putting God's thoughts and replacing your thoughts with God's thoughts and deciding to think God's thoughts instead of your thoughts. If God said, if 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 you look in the mirror and you think, what a loser I am, if that's the thought that you have, I am such a loser. But then you look in God's word and He says that you're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You're blessed coming in. You're blessed going out. You're made right. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He made him that knew no sin to become sin that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you look at yourself and you say, I'm such a loser. But God says all those good things about you. I would encourage you to take God's opinion of you and supersede your own opinion of yourself and replace it with God's opinion of you. Correct? Right? Because God's opinion of you matters more than, you, than your opinion of yourself. Here's the thing. God's opinion of you is eternal, and it's from a perspective that we can't always appreciate. God sees you differently than you see yourself. We see ourselves based on our performance. We see ourselves based on our appearance, right? We see ourselves based on what others have told us, like others, like, horizontally have told us. You may have been told you're, you're silly or you may have been told that you're stupid or you may have been told all kinds of nasty things by other people. Maybe by people that were supposed to love you. It happens, okay? And many times those thoughts is where we get our identification. But God is what I'm saying is God wants to take his word and he wants us to identify and get our identity not from what others horizontally have said, not from the way we look, not from the the way that we think or our performance, but rather from what God says about us. What does God say about you? He says you're a winner and not a loser. He says that you're above and not beneath, that you're blessed. You're blessed coming in. It says that you have the mind of Christ. Hey, that's pretty good, right? You say, Man, I lost my mind. I got the mind of Christ. Were you out of your mind? Absolutely. I've been out of my mind for 30 years. I have the mind of Christ. See, those are the kind of just renewing your the way you think about yourself is the starting point of having a victorious life. Not allowing this defeatist Eeyore mentality to get a hold of you. You Y'all remember Eeyore, don't you? you? You all, anybody remember Eeyore? I'm just a donkey, right? Anybody seen my tail? Right? Eeyore, God love him, but Eeyore had a bad opinion of himself, right? He needed to see who he was in Christ and stop being such a downer, right? See, and I, I meet people and, you know, it's funny, but I go, man, there's such an Eeyore. Have I said that before? <laughs> I go, oh, we got Eeyore in the house. Look out. somebody, Someone who's, who's like, oh, I'm like, man, come on. I'm a cheerleader trying to get them to stop thinking that way. Don't look at yourself like that. That's not who you are. You are not, I would say this. You may have done what they said you did, but you are not who they say you are. How about that? You could write that down. You may have done what they said you did, but you are not. You are not who they say you are because what you did is not who you are. That's not who you are. What you did is what you did. Repent and get over it, okay? Seriously, repent and get over it. You know, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, his name was Saul. Do you know, he literally was responsible for the death, like, killed many Christians. Saul, who later became Paul. He was responsible for the death. I don't know if he actually killed people, but he was in charge of the group that went around killing Christians, Saul. And that's the one that Jesus stopped on the road to Damascus, and he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Side note, when he was persecuting Christians, Jesus took it personally, right? He said he didn't say, why are you, why are you persecuting my people? He said, why are you persecuting me? That's my body you're talking about. That's my body you're hurting. So Saul hurt all those Christians. Really bad guy. I mean, seriously, he was a bad guy, not a good guy. But later on, after a number of years, and he had revelation knowledge of redemption and what Jesus did, he actually said, I have harmed no one. Paul. Now, one of two things has got to be true. Either he knew who he was in Christ, and in Christ, in his new nature, since he had accepted Christ and become a brand new person, he had renewed his mind to such a degree that he did not even identify with that old person, he only identified with the new person. Either that or he was a liar, one of the two. I think it's this one. I think he had so renewed his mind that when he, when he talked about who he was, he didn't talk about him doing all this bad stuff. He talked about who he was in Christ. Now, s- somebody might say to you, oh, you used to do this. Oh, remember those good times? And they, number one, they weren't good times, okay? And number two, that's not even me. I'm dead and my life is hidden Christ. So I I can't even remember what that was, and I don't want to remember. So I'm a brand new creature. So we renew our mind by going to the Word of God, and then we identify with the Word to such a degree that we, like the Apostle Paul, will be able to say, I have harmed no one. And people say, well, you're a liar. No, I am not a liar. I'm identifying with my new nature, and my new nature has not harmed anyone. That old guy who's crucified in Christ, he did a lot of stupid stuff, but that's not who I am. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, and that's who I am. See, and that's a healthy identity. That's identifying with the completed work of Christ. That's renewing your mind and receiving your identity, not from what you do, what you look like, or what other people say about you, but rather from what God says about you, and that's renewing your mind. You know, Hebrews 9.14 was a scripture that popped into my, into my heart just to, while we were singing. It says, for if the blood of, it's verse 13, Hebrews 9.13 says, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more so the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, How much more will that cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? If you are having trouble with condemnation, if you're having trouble thinking about, oh, I've done so many bad things, whether it's yesterday or 10 years ago. I know folks that struggle with guilt from stuff they did 50 years ago or 10 minutes ago. It doesn't matter how long it's been. Here's what I would say to you. The blood of Jesus was shed for the remission of sin. Not just the covering of sin, but though your sins be as scarlet, they shall, you shall be as white as snow. That doesn't mean, oh, we're going to cover it up and we're going to forget about it. It's not going to have a big lump in the rug in your middle of your living room because you got all that junk under the rug. It's just covered up, right? No, it's going to be gone. He's going to take your junk away. It's done. It's gone. You're a brand new creature. You don't have that stuff anymore. The blood of Christ says that you can have a clean conscience. Do you know what a blessing it is to have a clean conscience? See, having a clean conscience doesn't mean you've never sinned doesn't mean you've never done anything wrong. Having a clean conscience means that you've gone to God and you've said, God, forgive me. I've blown it. I need the blood of Christ to cleanse my mind, to cleanse my heart, to make me clean so I can have a clear conscience before God. You see, if you don't have a clear conscience, you are hindered in your faith. I'm going to, I, I, I got to go somewhere else. I'm getting a download. Bear with me. Because in 1 John 3, 1 John 3, sorry guys, I'm in 1 John 3. This wasn't in my notes. 1 John 3, verse 19 says, And this we know that we are of the truth, and we shall assure our hearts before him. Verse 20, If our heart condemns us, which means you have a guilty conscience, that's, what it, that's also what that could mean. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. But if our heart does not condemn us, we've been washed by the blood, we're cleansed, we have a clean conscience. If our heart does not condemn us, we can have confidence before God, and whatever things we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and we do the things which are pleasing in his sight. If, if you will go to God, it doesn't matter what you've done, you need to go to God and ask him to forgive you and get, your, get the blood of Jesus cleansing your heart, cleansing your mind, get a clean conscience, get a clean slate because without a clean slate you can't even have faith toward God that he's going to hear your prayers. See you got to we got when you when you go to God and you have a guilty conscience, you know what happens? You go to God and you say, "Oh God, I just pray that you do this, but you know, I'm not worthy." I mean, I did that yesterday and I got mad and I did this and I did that. and you start talking yourself out of what you just asked God for. Anybody else ever done that? Cuz I've done that. What you've got to do is you just got to get clean and then you it says you come boldly You come boldly. Doesn't this mean, hey, God, it's me again. Hi, sorry to bother you. No, he says, come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy. Come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy, it says in Hebrews. So how can we come boldly? The only way to come boldly is when your conscience has been cleansed from dead works. When your mind has been renewed by the word of God. That's the only way to come boldly. Is because your mind has been renewed, your conscience has been cleansed, you have faith towards God, and now you can come before the throne, you can ask boldly for whatever it is and it says, he will grant you your request. Not because you're so good, but because you're cleansed by the blood. God does not see you as you just by yourself. He sees you through the lens of the blood. And when God sees you through the lens of the blood, you know what he sees? Perfect justified, holy. That's what he sees. When he sees you through the blood of Jesus, he sees you as perfect, justified, holy, and pleasing in his sight. Woo, you're something. You're something to look at through the blood. See, in and of yourself, nah, but through the blood of Jesus, because the blood cleanses you and makes you holy, and it makes you, it makes you clean. So when God looks at you through the blood, he sees you righteous, holy, justified. He sees you as perfect. And it says when you come to him, when you're clean, through the blood, you're clean, it says that he'll grant whatever it is you ask him according to his will. That's a beautiful thing. That's an incredible thing. So that's how we renew our mind with the word. We've got, but see, we gotta start believing that when we put the word in, we gotta start believing that things are true in the unseen even if we can't see them in the scene. Say, well, I still feel this way. Okay, feel, Keyword: feel, is feel truth. No, feel is subject to change. Anybody know emotions are subject to change, right? So if you feel a certain way, it's time to look at your feelings and go subject to change, right? And start deciding you're going to live by truth and not by just feelings, okay? So then we have, we talked a lot about the mind. We have the will. What's the answer for your will? Here's the answer for your will. Jesus said it, not my will, but your will be done, Lord, it's called submission, where you say, God, I choose to follow you, and I'm going to do what you have called me to do. I'm going to follow you with everything I have. Joshua 24:15 he says, choose you this day who you will serve, whether the gods are your fathers or the God or the Amorites, who are you going to serve? Or the great theologian, Bob Dylan, he said, you're going to have to serve somebody, right? Y'all don't remember that. Okay, that's all right but I, maybe I'd sing like Bob Dylan, then you'd all remember, you're gonna have to serve somebody. Okay. <laughs> James 4, 7, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Do you know that if you just resist the devil, you're, you're in dangerous sons of Sceva territory if you just resist the devil. Y'all you know, you know who the sons of Sceva were. They tried to resist the devil without submitting to God. They got beat up, stripped naked, and they were one of the first streakers. They ran all over the place, running away after they got whooped by some demon-possessed guy because they tried to resist the devil without submitting to God, right? So you need to first submit to God, and then once you're submitted to God, then you can resist the devil and you can, beat, you can kick the devil out. But don't ever try that without first submitting to God, so as we, that's the answer for our will. It's real simple. It's not easy. It's just simple. And that is submit to God and submit to his word. If his word says it, we have a will. And the one, of the, 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 one of the greatest things, possibly the greatest gift that God gave the human race was the ability to choose. That's what makes us different than the animal's. It's our spirit and that we can choose to serve him. Animals, they're all just subject to instinct, right? You look at an animal, a dog, a dog, female dog goes in heat. Every dog in the neighborhood's trying to do his thing, right? And that's just instinct. One, the doe the rut happens and all the doe are in estrus. They're all just doing their thing everywhere. There's no will. It's all just instinct. But yet, we as humans, we have a will, and it's a gift. We can choose, we can choose to follow God, or we can choose not to follow God. So the, the answer for the will is submission. And we have our emotions. So what's the answer for our emotions? I got like six minutes. Um, and this is probably two hours, but it's all right. We're going to get about a shortened, condensed version here. You know, Matthew 12 says that this is how God views us. He says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. He doesn't doesn't just break broken people. He doesn't condemn broken people. And being broken is not horrible. Being broken is just being emotionally broken. It doesn't mean that God goes, oh, you're terrible. No. It says a broken broken reed, a bruised reed, he will not break. and a smoking flax, he will not quench. So if your emotions are all beat up and hurt, God isn't going to reject you. You can come to him and say, and tell him what's going on. And then Jesus, his job description was, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Luke four eighteen, It says, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. One of the main things that Jesus came to do in the earth is to heal the brokenhearted. So if you're brokenhearted tonight, understand something. Many things come into our lives, and it breaks our heart. But it says, Jesus said here, he, God has anointed me to, first of all, preach the gospel, the good news to the poor, and then sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed. Psalm 147.3 says that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Isaiah 53 says he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement that brings us peace was laid upon him. See there's there is many references that our emotions we need to go to God and allow him to heal those areas in our life. What's the answer for our body? The answer for our body cuz cuz remember we said you are a spirit, you have a soul, your mind, will and emotions and you live in a body. So what's the answer for your body? Here's the answer for your body. Present your body as a living sacrifice to God. Romans 12, 1. 1 Corinthians 9, 27 says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. I, this is, it's, the terminology is so awesome. He says, I discipline my body. So you are not your body, obviously, because how can I discipline my body if this is me? This isn't me. This is the house I live in, right? He says I discipline my body. I bring it under into subjection. That's what the apostle Paul says here. So lest when I have preached to others I myself should be disqualified, which is a big warning that not disciplining your body and doing whatever your body tells you to do is runs you run the risk of being disqualified not necessarily going to hell. It's not what I'm talking about, but it could cost you your life. It could cost you your ministry if you don't discipline your body. Almost cost me my life. I had a heart attack 18 months ago because I was stupid and didn't take care of myself. All right? Am I condemned? Heck no. I'm awesome. Okay, But you should laugh about that because that's supposed to be a joke. Okay? Don't think I'm that arrogant because I'm not. I'm just making a joke. Now, I'm not condemned. Why? Because I—that I, was a wake-up call, and things are different now. Okay, so, you, but you got to discipline your body. Okay, Romans eight says those who live according to the flesh they set their minds in the thing of the flesh. But if you if you live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. To be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But you are not in the flesh, you're in the spirit. So this is the real you. The real you, you're not in the flesh, you're in the spirit. So 3 John 2 says, beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. So I am a soul prosperity preacher. Do you hear what I said? I am proud to be a soul prosperity preacher. I want your soul to prosper. Okay? And soul prosperity is so much more than money, it's not even funny. Soul prosperity is about having your mind renewed by the Word of God. It's about having your will submitted to the Father. It's about having your emotions healed, healthy, and whole, and righteously renewed by the Spirit of God. And the Bible says that, beloved, I wish that above all things that you would prosper, So. God wants you to prosper, but he wants you to prosper according to how prosperous your soul is. So I want all of us to prosper in our soul. So this is soul prosperity. How do you reach soul prosperity? By understanding that you are born again by the spirit of God. Your spirit's renewed. It's made brand new and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and the inner man renewing your mind by the Word of God, getting your identity from Him, not from your surroundings or what you think or what others think about you, getting your identity from that, from the Word of God, not from anything else, because He's the only one qualified to tell you who you are. He needs to tell you who you are, and you'll find it out if you go in the book. In heaven, your, your will submitted, choosing, making a decision to follow God to reject bitterness, to reject offense, to reject holding on to things that hurt and are toxic and choosing to follow his ways and his truth. So number one, be born again. Number two, get your mind renewed and get your identity from the word. Number three, get your will submitted to the will of the Father and then get your emotions healed by the, by the power of God. And, you, and I would say to you, if, if you're talking about the whole emotions thing and you say, well, I want to learn more about the emotions thing, I would encourage you to go to Freedom Class. It starts in a few weeks. Just look it up, and we'll announce it. But the Freedom Class is a six week class, and it's almost all on the um, healing of the emotions and dealing with those types of things. So we got our mind, we got our will and we have our emotions. See, and everything is awesome when you have soul prosperity. See? Because when when you're walking in soul prosperity, you have your mind renewed and you're not focused on all the negative things around you. you. So what are some things you can do for your mind? Reject negativity. I wrote down here for your mind. Read the word, renew your mind. Learn and develop your mind and reject negativity and bitterness. Reject it. Categorically, if somebody's negative and they want to bring negativity into you and start complaining and, and you know, you just need to say, oh, whoa, whoa, no way. We don't think that way in my house. And this is your house, right? Because you live here. This is your body. This is where you live. We don't, we don't, do, we don't deal with negativity here. We aren't doing that. Okay. If you'll just begin the habit of rejecting bitterness, rejecting offense, you know, the, the devil's always out there trying to get you offended. Every day, the opportunity's there. You have to learn how to recognize it and go, "Whoa, that's an opportunity. I'm not taking that. Don't take the bait. All right? Don't take, don't take what he offers. And with your will, decide that you're going to submit to God's word. Decide to set a time every day to read God's word and choose to forgive when others hurt you. And your emotions, recognize your broken area because everybody's got broken areas. The other day, my wife and I were talking and somebody, she said something and I, again, this, you don't think I'm crazy, but it's all right. In some ways, we all got, we're all quirky, but she said something to me and I reacted and I went, whoa, 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 what's that all about? And I just prayed about it and I said, Lord, why did I react that way? And he took me right back to something that happened quite regularly when I was a very young child. And he said, You're just reacting because you've never dealt with that right there. And I went, Oh. So I went to her and I said, Hey, I'm sorry I acted that way. But the Lord just showed me what was going on. And I was doing this. And so you need to help me with this. And I'm sorry. I don't want to do that no more. But this is what was going on. And she went, Oh, wow. So we prayed about it. See, that's a beautiful thing. I am not a bit ashamed of saying, Hey, I got stuff that I'm still dealing with from when I was five, six years old because it comes up once in a while and you go, whoa, what was that? And if, you'll, if you're sensitive and you'll ask the Lord, he'll show you what it is. And then you can deal with it. Now it's like, oh, okay, that's, you know. If it comes up again, I know what it is and I go, "Ah, oh, I see what you're doing. No, uh-uh, we ain't doing that. See? And that's called growing up. And we're all still being conformed to the image of his son. So you recognize your brokenness. You ask Jesus into that pain or that wound, and you ask him to heal that wound and receive that love. Because he wants you to prosper, but he wants your soul to prosper. Amen. Let's stand up. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you, Father, for the plan that you have for each and every one of us Father in this room I know that we did a lot of talking tonight and I know I probably hit some areas that, that maybe were hurtful or maybe they stepped on some toes I, Father I thank you that you just give grace and mercy where grace and mercy is necessary I thank you Father that you lead us and you guide us that you speak to us And Father, that each and every one of us would leave this place and that, Father, we would go to your word and that, Father, we would receive life from your word. We'd receive who we are and our identity from your word and not from what others say or what we do or what we look like. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for your goodness to us, We thank you, Father, that you love us and you want us so desperately to prosper, to have prosperous souls. We thank you, Father, for cleansing us by the blood. We thank you for renewing our minds by your word and healing us with your mercy in our emotions. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.